To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have back on my friend Dan Salzman. I've gotten to know Dan over the past few years, and I really like this guy. So Dan has just willed himself into being a consistently successful backcountry hunter. He's done it through his mental toughness and mental fortitude and just overall approach to to backcountry hunting and approach to life. Um, he, he's just a great guy. He missed last season due to deployment. So we talk about that a bit. Thanks again, Dan, for your service. And then, um, we talk about this year's bear season and, uh, his quest to kill a backcountry bear and just what it takes, like the grit it takes out there to be able to be successful. I mean, we talk about it on the podcast, but just his all in attitude and then, um, you know, the work that came afterwards, like like killing this bear way down in a hole and the pack out and the whole deal. It's just a great story. Uh, but Dan's a great guy. I always really enjoy talking to him. Um, we'll get right into it. Just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. So I want to thank Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a new sponsor, but I've been using their product for over a year now. They have the best instant coffee on the market. So they've got uh, the packs of instant coffee, uh, doesn't hurt my gut. I feel great after it. It's great tasting, and my buddies all agree this season as I supplied all of our coffee throughout the year. Uh, I also really enjoy their tea bag, which is another form of their instant coffee uh, that you're able to dip, dip in your coffee and seeing great flavor with that stuff. Uh, so if you're in the market for uh, backcountry coffee for this hunting season, Black Rifle Coffee Company has you covered. Uh, they also have a subscription. They've got uh, great blends of coffee, and it's some of the best coffee I've ever had. Uh, that Evan Hafer, uh, he's an absolute coffee guru, and uh, he doesn't accept anything but the best. So I'm super impressed. Uh, you can also get some money off there if you land on the 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 Eastman's page on Black Rifle Coffee Company. Put in the com- the promo code Brian at the end, and uh, that'll get you some off of your coffee in there. Uh, And thanks to those guys for their support. I really appreciate it. I also want to thank Cutter Stabilizers. So Earl Stroll started Cutter Stabilizers, and they've came on board Eastman's Elevated. I've been using his products for the last couple years. I've been helping them develop uh, these stabilizers, uh, which are carbon fiber, so they're super light, which puts the weight out on the end of the stabilizer farther away from the bow. Uh, He's worked really hard on his connections to be absolutely rock solid, both to the bow, to the weights. Um, Man, it it really helps my hold and reaction of my bow. I'm able to fine-tune it with one-ounce weights, uh, adding and taking away, changing the angle of it, and and it just makes an entirely different shooting bow. Uh, it's a real asset for me, and I'm using a a 15-inch out front. I'm using a 12-inch in back. I've got... Uh, 10 ounces out front. No, I don't. I have 6 ounces out front, 10 ounces in the back, and the thing just holds rock steady. Uh, So if you're in the market for some new stabilizers, uh, check them out. And thanks again to Earl for his support on the podcast, Cutter Stabilizers. And with that, 
Um, we've got that promo code for Eastman, so both magazines, $50, and a free Outdoor Edge knife. Just put in Elevated 321. You can also do a subscription to one magazine and an Outdoor Edge knife for $30. And, um, man, I just saw the, the brand new cut of an early season high country deer hunt from last year. Gosh, it just turned out awesome. I'm so proud of it. Um, can't wait to release it to you guys. I'm not sure exactly the release date, but, uh, man, that thing's fire. Um, yeah, so happy with the way it came out and, um, it's just so fun to, to go out with my buddy. I went out with Dan and we filmed this one together. I filmed his stocks. He filmed mine. Uh, just a great film, but check out all our films on beyond the grid. Uh, still trying to get all my previous films that have been released on the Outdoor Channel out on Beyond the Grid for you guys to watch. Uh, there's a handful of them on there that you can search. If you uh, search Eastman's Hunting TV, uh, it'll pull it up on there. and um, You can find some of those films as well. And um, Man, just getting finished up with this Western Hunting Summit for Lampers out there. Um, what, a, what, a great, uh, what a great event. Uh, just so much fun. Four days out there shooting 3D, hiking. I think I got close to 40 miles in. I was up early in the morning getting my runs in and um, a bunch of shots fired through the bow. Um, just super fun. And, and uh, I love that, the, those live seminars. It's it's like a solo podcast but in front of a crowd. And I've been doing it enough to where, uh, you know, I feel like I, I'm, I'm hitting my stride and putting out really good information for guys. So... Uh, just so stoked at how those talks came out. I did one on mule deer, one on elk. I'll try to do a similar solo podcast for you guys here as we get closer to season. Um, just to help you guys out with any tips and tactics that I can give you uh, right before we get in the heat of it. So I'll put out some solos, get those recorded, get them out to you guys. But yeah, just been having a blast doing that. And um, I've got another four-day summit coming up this weekend. Uh, so going to go out and meet some guys and some more shooting and some more talks and things of that nature. And I, I do have some talks coming up this summer. Um, let's see, I've got, uh, I'm going to be at Mountain Archery Fest and uh, uh, probably make a, a showing attack as well. But uh, Mountain Archery Fest for sure in Salt Lake City. And I believe the Thursday before that, I'm talking at Black Rifle Coffee. No, I'm talking at uh, uh, Fieldcraft Survival. I'm talking at uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company, too, but I think it's just a, a company deal uh, the day before. So I think that's like the 22nd, and there'll be some tickets for that one that you can grab. Um, I'm also speaking down in Phoenix on the 20th. Uh, going to be speaking down there uh, doing an elk seminar. Super excited about it. So uh, this Western Summit has given me some good practice at elk seminars and things to cover. Uh, I believe there'll be tickets for that one as well. Um, so yeah, come out and see me, come out and shoot with me, Mountain Archery Fest. Uh, and yeah, just, um, just busy racing around here, there and everywhere and trying to get my construction work done and taken care of and, um, these summits. And so, uh, round the clock right now, um, good quality family time right now. We're planning a family vacation, which is super exciting and, um, just trying to get it all in here before this fall season gets here. So, um, man, I can't wait. Uh, seems like, uh. Hunting season is so far away, and then we kind of get into to bear season and things, and um, before I know it, you know, we're right on the cusp of it. So, uh, got some good tags, got some good gear, uh, bow shooting good, um, man, uh, ripping shape. I just can't wait to cut myself loose on these hunts. I mean, this is 
absolutely what I live for. It just doesn't get any better. So uh, super stoked, um, ready to get after it and continue to bring you guys the best podcast uh, to get you the best information to help make you better Western hunters. So, um, man, enjoy. Uh, this is Dan Salzman. Uh, really enjoy talking to this guy. Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. Out chasing bears this morning, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually, uh, pouring rain here right now. Oh man, we got some tough conditions too. I got a I got a buddy up. We're hunting for a couple days, and then it just snowed like all heck last night. I just don't see many bears in the snow, but we went out and took a walk, got soaking wet anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I have a uh, my daughter has a couple soccer games today, so I'm sitting this one out. I'm gonna head up tomorrow though. And- and chase stuff around. Oh, good for you. Dude, congrats on that bear. It's such a good one. Oh, thank you, man. I was super happy with it. Yeah, man, oh, man. Um, it's such a, a great season in the spring to go test ourselves, isn't it? Oh, it's so fun. It's like, man, you know what? The weather's, for the most part, nice, but you still have the challenges of, like, navigating around snow and, and stuff like that, so it's... It's just a different animal than in the fall. It's just, it's fun, especially after being cooped up all winter. Yeah, absolutely. Having spring fever. Well, and, and two, it's a different season. Like, you don't hunt the green grass as much, and it's like a different species, and you only have one tag, or you only have one animal that you're focused on. So you're not, you know, doing a deer hunt here, and then we're into elk season. And so it's like you can really take your time and focus on bears and look for a good one. It's just such a fun season. I really enjoy it, being able to get out in the spring. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't really done you know, a ton of it. I always, uh, I always commit myself to it, like, and say that I'm going to, and then other stuff just comes up in the spring. And this year I was just like, I'm not going to let anything stop me from <laughs> getting out as much as I can and killing a giant bear. So it was kind of cool to, to life gets put the busy together. It's like easy not to find the time. It's way easier not to go hunting or not to find the time, isn't it? It's like you can always be busy with work and and family and everything we have going on. It's easy not to go, but it's like any time you make the time and go for it and put in the effort, it's always worth it. It's always enjoyable, whether you kill anything or not. Like It just kind of um, gets my head right, gets me in the right space, gets me enthused about life and things, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, dude, um, you were deployed for um, last year. How did your deployment go? It went really well, and it was uh, it went by pretty fast. The transition back home was good. You know, it wasn't any there wasn't any issues with the wife or kids, and you know, everything at home was good while I was gone. So, man, it really couldn't have went any better. You know, as far as being gone and missing birthdays and Christmas and all that stuff, and all of hunting season. So. Man, all of hunting season had to be tough, but yeah, you must have like this great foundation, you know, this uh, uh, that you've built with your family and got your wife to to support you and take care of things while you're gone and check in. Man, it had to be had to be really tough to be that many miles away and and uh, be away from the family, away from hunting season to miss out for a year. Had to had to just be tough, but it it seemed like. Um, like one of the things I'm most impressed by, Dan, is just like your approach and attitude with everything. It seemed like you kept yourself up out there. You were training hard, you know, thinking about hunting season, thinking about your family. It, it sure seemed like you kept your head right out there. 
Yeah, you have to. I mean, it, you start to slip into a hole and wallow. And you, I mean, you see that with a lot of guys. It's easy enough to do. They just don't want to be there, and they don't. You know, they. It, it's like a long hunt. You know, if you go into it with the right attitude or the wrong attitude, you're going to give up halfway through, and you're not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish, and then you're going to reg- have regrets coming out of it. And that's like, if I look at this like. You know, I don't really have a choice. I just have to make the absolute most out of it, which is what I looked at it, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back in great shape. I'm going to learn as much as I can without this, the pressure of actually having to put anything into into motion, you know. And and my wife and the, and the kids are super supportive and super patriotic. My wife's a vet, and she deployed when we had our, our first our daughter. Our oldest was only six months old, so... She's been through it and I was there to back her. So, you know, she knew exactly what was going on, which was, I think was a big help. And yeah, keeping that, just keeping the right mindset with, with everything, man. That's kind of, I can try to keep myself level and focused all the time because it's really easy to slip into that, you know, pity party attitude and, and that, you know, nothing good ever comes out of that. So. Dude, it's so right. Um, yeah, it's easy to slip into that for all of us, right? But it all it all begins and ends with the mind. It's like if you just make up your mind of what you want to do in life, you can accomplish it. It sounds cheesy, but um, like like you've you have willed yourself into a consistently successful backcountry hunter. You just decided it was something you want to do. You put a ton of effort into it. You you built your skill set, and it isn't something easy where you can snap your fingers or you decide you want to be good and you're good that year. Like it takes putting in in that time that those years of putting in that time and building like every facet of your hunting skill whether that's map research whether that's navigation whether that's your shooting skill uh, your skill at finding game stalking skill uh, execution like there's so many of these pillars or facets that go into being a successful hunter but it really all begins and ends with your mind and and that's you know, that's what I've done in my life, and, and it's what I see that you've done in your life as well. You've just set your mind to it and decided what you want in life, and then you've gone out and got it, man. It's so impressive. That's, yeah, that's 100% what it is. <laughs> and it, uh, it, I mean, we're, we're set up for that to be way more difficult now, too, because everything you see from everybody is like the Cliff Notes version, you know? Like, you don't, it, there's so many guys out there doing it and putting in the work that, and, and you don't get, most of those stories you get a grip and grin photo from them and another animal they killed and it's like man what are these guys doing that i'm not how is this happening like (laughs) they're very i feel like there's it would it'd be easier without seeing so many other guys be good at it like if you could read books on it like how i started you know and reading forums online without being hammered with other guys instagram photos and you know some guys are just it's i think it's why that you know, like jealousy and negativity is breeds and is so rampant in the hunting community online. It's because guys don't understand how much work is going in from the guys that are successful. It's like everybody thinks they're just, they've, you know, they've got some golden ticket that they're not aware of, which is, you know, it's easy enough to do to make an excuse for yourself. Of like why I'm not doing, why I'm not as good as somebody else is because they're, you know, they're cheating somehow or they, they've got some advantage that I don't. So, 
Yeah, it's like human nature, right? Is yeah. to like um, why that guy's successful and you're not. But there's so much that you don't see that are behind the scenes, and it's tough to share that story of behind the scenes. You've done a really good job with your social media. Like I loved, I love seeing your bear posts. It's when I reached out to you again, and I I love following your social media and having you on the podcast. But I just saw that it's it so resonated with me that you were saying that. You know, hey, here's this bear picture, this bear that I harvested, but here's everything that I put into my bear season this year. I saw 30 bears. I passed these bears. I put in, you know, hundreds of miles. I scouted these trips. And so you started listing, like, the hard work that get, got, that went into it. And I think that's important for guys to see because it it is easy to be jealous online. And they're, like, we're all on our own path is the thing you got to understand. And so even though you're seeing successful guys – you know, we're all on our own path to to lead to where we want to get, but we're in different stages. And and hunting, yep. you know, backcountry hunting is so extremely difficult that you just can't gain that skill set in a few years. And so, like, you know, for my case, you know, there there was years where nobody knew that I was harvesting animals with my bow on public, or nobody saw all the running miles that I put in 365 days a year. Nobody saw the amount of arrows that I'd run through my bow and really dedicating myself to the craft of learning how to work on my own equipment, learning, you know, going deep down all these rabbit holes to improve my skill. And I always say that you build this skill set, but you really don't reap the benefits for years down the road. So you build this skill set where, uh, you know, maybe you, you beat the, you've built these skills where you are good enough to kill a giant 326 point bull. That doesn't mean it's going to happen that year or that September, you know, it may take a couple extra years of having that skill set, putting in the work before it finally all comes together. But believing in this bigger purpose and believing in, in work ethic and hard work and, you know, it's, you know, like, like I've always said, and probably you've always said too, it's like, I just don't, I don't get lucky. I have to earn everything that I get, every opportunity <laughs> I get, you yep. know, and that's not totally true. Like I get lucky too. It's about capitalizing on opportunities, but I feel like I've always had to work harder than the, than the average guy. And I think we all feel that way. Like we have to put in more work than, than the average guy to find that success or whatever, but it's out there for us. Like in the hunting world and in life, like it's all out there for us. If if we can just set our mind to it and work towards those goals day in, day out. Yeah, 100%. It's funny you said that. I, I painted the word lucky on the fletching of all my arrows a couple of years ago. Just <laughs> 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 to, to remind me that that's not how anything happens. You know? So I, I love that, A couple that, of Dan. people had said that to me after after a couple, you know, a few years in a row of having decent seasons. And, oh, you're so lucky. And I just like, all it takes is one thing like that where I think, I've been slighted or somebody's discounting something that I've done. And I'm like, Oh, it's luck, huh? That, that just became my mantra. Like, you know, so yeah, I had lucky on everything for, for a few seasons. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. You just have to make your own luck, but it, it, it's out there for us. And it, it, it really is. And especially today and the information day and age, like you say, books and websites and, and even social media, there's a lot to learn if you'll take it in. And you just can't let that that jealousy bug get you. You know, you have to see guys and be happy for them and realize that they've put in the work, you know, not only yep. this year, but for for years prior, you know, and it yeah. gosh, I mean, you 
you know, in backcountry hunting, you're going to fail a lot and you have to pick yourself up and get back on the horse and get after it or you you just won't get there. But if you let the first failure get to you, you know, you, you're never going to get to where you're going. But that consistent success is what's extremely difficult. What you've proven and what I've proven to get lucky year after year after year on different species in different habitats, like, uh, you know, you're creating that luck, you know, and so like you know, that's the way you got to look at it. Oh, 100%. But, I mean, it looks like everybody's successful all the time, you know, for, in a, when you're looking at it from the outside. But it's like it, the the actual success percentage, like if you look at how many trips we take and how many animals we try to get close to before it works and, you know, how many smaller bucks and bulls you got to walk past and walk over before something, you know, before that luck actually comes into play and something happens. It's, it's nuts, man. It's not as, it's, it's a numbers game for sure. I think that's just part of it that doesn't, a lot of people don't see, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm not out to sell anything or prove anything. So I like, I like talking about all that stuff and letting everything hang out there. And I mean, I I just assume there's a million guys out there that are in the, the same boat that I've been in. You know, I've only been doing this for like, I started backcountry hunting in 2014. So like seven years and I'm still just feel like I'm just trying to figure everything out. And I, you know, most of the time I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep working harder and, <laughs> and keep, you know, just keep plugging away at it. And then eventually something good is going to come from it. And just, you know, having the mindset of just, you, you're just going to have to work until that success comes. And it, I, I mean, it, it kind of finds you every time that way. If you think like, I'm going to block out five days this year in September and I'm going to, you know, I've bought all this cool stuff and I'm, I'm like been practicing all year, but you know, and that's my time to make it happen. And then you go for those five days and it doesn't happen. It's like, it's, it's so easy to, to get negative, but for, you know what I mean? Like it's a, I think like there's just, you just have to put so much more time in than that. I feel like there's a lot of guys that are only, they, they, they block themselves out that small window and don't realize it's an all year process of just being obsessive about everything and burying yourself into it and going out after work and shooting out on the weekends and then like, you know, moving vacation days around. It's such a, it takes a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of facets to kind of rearranging your whole life to be a successful backcountry hunter, I feel like. Yeah, it's a commitment, isn't it? It's, um, you make a commitment and you, you, you know, like we're, we're all chasing to be successful with their bow or with their rifle or on a species or, or whatever the case is, but you, you, you almost can't, can't get trapped in the pitfall of just enjoying the success. You got to enjoy the entire process. You got to enjoy training for it. And the, the cool, th- it's so difficult, you know? And so once you get into it, like you say, you can have all the gear and you can set aside your five days. Heck, you can set aside two weeks, three weeks and still come up empty. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it, it's a super difficult endeavor, you know, this backcountry hunting. But the cool thing is it's this ever evolving, you know, a uh, place where we can put our passion. And so, 
you know, like like you feel like sometimes you don't know what you're doing. I do too. I've been doing it for a lifetime and committed myself to a lifetime, and I still get on a lot of these backcountry hunts. And I'm lost. There isn't game or I see hunting pressure or, you know, whatever the case is. Like, it, it's always difficult, you know. And so it takes, like, this year-round commitment to it just to give yourself a chance at success. But when you love something or you fall in love with something, it comes easy. You know, the work comes easy because I I love training for it. I, I love pushing myself and going hard. I love pushing myself to my limits mentally and physically. I love being on a backcountry hunt. I love shooting my bow. Like, I... I love everything about it. And so like it, it, it's just enjoying the entire process like that. It's, you know, I, I'm successful whether I harvest or whether I don't like I'm, I'm taking it all in and I, I love to keep pushing forward towards that goal. Like that's what drives me. But you know, if you, if you weren't happy with yourself before a big bowl, you're not going to be happy with yourself after a big bowl. A big bowl is not going to make you happy or a great social media <laughs> post is not going to make you happy. You have to immerse yourself in the process. You have to fall in love with it and go, I, I love this backcountry hunting no matter what the outcome is this season. Yeah, like sure, yeah, I'm working work. towards being it's successful, good. but yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to fall in love with the work and the process and the backpacking and being out in nature and taking it all in. And, and that's when the, that's when things start to come together. You know, it's like when you enjoy the stock and enjoy the process, enjoy the hunt, enjoy the training, enjoy the shooting. It, it just starts to come like everything starts to click and it starts to come together and start to kill animals because I'm no different than anybody else out there. And, and sure, you like see some some photos come across the feed and oh, Brian killed another buck with the with his bow. But it's like I show up in these units and, and the animals don't know who I am or what I've done or what I've accomplished in the past. Like I got to <laughs> go prove it. Follow with you. Yeah, yeah. I got to prove it every single season. I got to go in there and, and go hard and love the journey and try to make it happen again. And and so like I, I just think it's important to, to not always chase the success, but it, chase the enjoyment and just be happy that like we have this passion and this thing that we love where we're willing to put all this into it. Um, I, I think it's so important for us guys, you know, whether it's backcountry hunting or golf or whatever guys are into, like just to have a passion, something that we put a lot of effort in and work to get better, something that we truly love. Like I, I right. think that's so important in the journey. I don't, I think, I think there's more to it than that too. I think it's, I think it's healthy and natural and beneficial for us as guys to have something that we love to do. That's also incredibly difficult. Yes. Anything, anything that's hard, that's hard and that, you know, that you have to struggle to be better at, I think makes you so much better of a person. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think I don't oh, know man. too many hardcore backcountry guys that are just that they don't have they they aren't successful in other facets of their life too just because they like the work they're not afraid to get their hands dirty and get into stuff and and be overwhelmed and you know pick their way through and figure it out and i think it just uh it just helps mold you into such a, a, a more resilient person if, yes. if the things that you'd like to do are also hard Yes, you don't grow as a person through easy things or sitting on the couch watching TV or, you know, things that come easy to you. That's not how you grow as a human being. You you grow through trials and tribulations. Like, that's what will shape you, you know, going through tough times, like being able to hit hurdles on a hunt. And you never know what those hurdles are going to be. Like, I try to plan for them as best as I can with the weather or with, you know, my hunt plan or whatever the case. But it's like a fighter getting hit in the, in the face. Like, I, you know, a lot of these places. 
places that I go I've never hunted before or I may scout and I may have this vision of how I think it's going to be tough. It's always twice as tough as I imagined. But you get there and you just get started and you just get putting in the work and putting in the effort and then you don't give in. You don't give up. If you got 10 days, you don't go home on day five. You get to a new mountain range and you go hike in and you just you keep putting forth that effort. And it's it's easy to sit in the comfort of our own home and say how hard we want to go this season. It's different when you get there and you start putting in the miles and you're sleep deprived and you're tired or just like your recent bear trip. Like you had been pushing hard and ended up killing that thing in an absolute hole and then had to figure out how to get it out of there. Like it's those trying times like your bear season this year that make you grow. It like adds another level on like people want to know how to get mentally tough. Put yourself in a bunch of tough situations and find your way out of them, and you start adding layers to that mental toughness, you know? And and yep. once you add those layers, like, you're becoming the person you want to be, you know? You are becoming mentally tough. You're, you're becoming... Uh, uh, goal oriented. You're you're creating discipline. You're you know all these great things that are these great characteristics that I look up to in life. Like I'm building those all the time, and they just don't come through ease and comfort. They come through trials and tribulations. Yeah, and part of the way to, to build them, one of the things I like to do is to recognize when things are going wrong and when things are tough, and just tell yourself, hey, stick it out. This is what's going to pay off down the road. Like, you know, it doesn't even have to be on a hunt. It could be, you know, the workouts that you're doing or running like the, the stupid runs that we've done or you're on a scouting trip in the summer and it starts pouring rain. You have no rain gear. Sit it out. You know, like, don't go back to the truck. Just, hey, this is this is what's going to make me tougher in the future. And, you know, it doesn't have to be big things like that. You just tell yourself, you know, you're you're going to callous. Your mind is somebody that we probably both follow says kind of frequently, which is a, a, a saying that I like to steal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, callous your mind is so right, isn't it? It's just I I like those examples that you put, like tough weather. I went out with a buddy yesterday. It was snowing sideways. We couldn't see a hundred feet. It's really easy to stay in the truck and go. Now nah, let's just head it home. Or but mm-hmm. instead we went for a walk through the snow to see if we could cut a track or see if we could run into one. It didn't work out yesterday. But that constant effort eventually pays off, you know, and yeah. you're right. You just you just add layers to that toughness and, and it's just it's micro decisions. It's it's daily decisions, it's it's hourly decisions, it's decisions on a hunt. You just keep deciding to do the tough thing or to stay out there or to keep putting on miles or whatever the case is. And yeah, you, you just you, you add layers of toughness. Was it you, Dan, that I saw a post like I love your social media. You're one of my best follows. You're just really honest, and then um, you you do a good job of like uh, reflect, reflecting back on your own skill sets and your own journey and sharing it with guys. But is it was it you that I saw that uh, like walked with a pebble in your in your shoe for like a few <laughs> yeah. miles just to create yeah, toughness? Great. Like you had a pebble that you would feel for every step, and instead of uh, stopping and taking off your boot and taking out the pedal, uh, pebble, you just hiked with it because you thought it, you knew it would build mental toughness. Do I have that right? Yeah, it was me a while back. <laughs> yeah, I think I was, I think I was running and I had a rock in my shoe. But I was just, yeah, I just decided I wasn't going to take it out because, you know, yeah, because I'm not weak. I was better than that rock. Yeah, but I, it sounds dumb, but I'm, that, that's the kind of stuff that helps me. I don't know. <laughs> You get it. At least somebody gets it. 
Yeah, the, uh, definitely. I do get it. Um, that was so funny. God, I read that. And now I think of that. Anytime I got a rock in my shoe, you know that I'm weak if I stop and pull it out. <laughs> yeah, I pull them out on hunting trips. It's not worth the blister, but yeah. on, on runs, yeah, I leave them in. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, but that's it, man. It's like it's it's just making this decision. We can be any person we want to be in life. We have control over it. It's just like making this decision of who you want to be and the the characteristics that you like and people that you see and follow. And and sometimes you can even you can emulate for a while. You can pretend for a while, but eventually you're gonna turn into that person if you keep making those decisions. You know, just yeah. like yep. just like what you've done. Like gosh, you've been backcountry hunting for seven years and you've seen. Um, you know, great success in those seven years, but it, it isn't, you know, it isn't because of luck. It's because you've dedicated yourself to it. You've dedicated yourself to finding these spots and scouting them. You've dedicated yourself to building mental toughness and, and bu- building physical endurance. Like you've just committed yourself to it. And, and now you're getting to reap the benefits, but it's like, after you reap the benefits, like what I was talking about, you can't rest on your laurels. You can't rest on the big bull you shot last year or the big buck you shot last year. Like you've got to start the process over again. Like you got to be happy. You got to celebrate your successes. But then the next day or two days later, you got to get back to work and working towards the next goal. And that's that's the beautiful thing is we found this thing that's so difficult that it requires that kind of dedication to the craft or otherwise you won't find success. If you coast on your laurels, like um, and don't put in the work like when next season comes around, you know, you're going to have to pay for that, you know, one way or another. And so, man, you just always got to keep hungry and be driving forward. It seems to me anyway, that's the key for success for me anyway. Oh, for sure. That's the benefit of that uh, imposter syndrome. Like you said, like you, you find people that you want to emulate and have, you know, you like I still don't feel like I've got anything figured out and that helps me, you know, because like. I just work and work and work and then it happens and I'm like, oh, you know, I got, <laughs> I got lucky that it happened again. <laughs> and then I go back yep. to like, you know, I, I feeling like I don't know what I'm doing and just work and work and work and work and like, you get lucky again. It's like, you know, I, I think having that mindset, like as soon as you think that you've got it all figured out and it's going to start getting easier, you're just bound to fall on your face. I think like, there's no way around it. That's exactly right. I'm like, yeah, unless you're that... hunting a ranch and these animals do the same thing in the same place every time, or, you know, you've got some hole where you can consistently kill a decent or, you know, a good animal. But, I mean, those things dry up. I have spots that were great four or five years ago that there's nothing in now. So I mean, it's easy to – and I think those are things you learn as you go along, too, or you start to think you have it figured out, and then you go back in the next year and everything is different or a fire comes through or, you know. the game is always changing dude it's always changing everything's always changing and it's not having some secret spot like we build these good spots over the years or whatever but it's always it it never stays the same everything's always changing so instead of like having a good spot you have to build the skills to be able to find good spots and killing a big buck or a big bull is a moving target those things move around mountain ranges to different features to different uh, places and you have to find where that buck's at at that time of your hunt and so there's never like a go into this basin and he's here every time and there's a giant bull in here every time well eventually you kill that bull and another one takes his place or elk move on or they're not in 
that location or like you say conditions are different every year like i can hunt the same spot every year and it's going to be different every year the timing's going to be different on it the the animals are going to be in different places the food may burn off early like every it's a moving target and so you have to build your skill set so you're able to handle and try to chase down this moving target that you want so bad but it's never like a given so you're best to like work on your hunting skill set so you go into these places being at your very best than to have some secret spot or like a lot of guys are trying to figure out where somebody else is hunting that's the wrong roadmap for success yeah you you got to spend your time building your own skill set and learning your own spots and Dude, there's the, so the many... spot isn't, isn't what makes anyone successful. There's no. so many good animals out there. And yeah. the other thing I don't understand about that, since we're talking about it, is a lot of these guys that are trying to figure out where some of these more popular guys are at, why would you want to compete with that guy? <laughs> That's what I always <laughs> think, too. Yeah. Like, I do not want to be in the same basin with a guy who consistently kills giant deer. That'll, that just tells me that that guy is going to kill a nice buck out from under me. They're like... <laughs> Like, why would I put my effort into finding the same deer that that guy is looking at and then competing for that deer? It's like, there's more deer out there. There's so many great spots no out sense. there. I yeah. have people message me all the time like, hey, is this where you were and sending me pins and stuff? And I'm like, every once in a while they're right or they're close. But it's like, why? Like, even if I am, like, why? Why what, are you going to go in there and like, <laughs> you want to have a campfire with me and talk about it? What, make a plan together? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, you don't want to chase my vapor trail. I've spooked everything out of all those drainages, you know? Like, I'm hunting hard. Like, you chase my vapor trail, and you're not going to find much. And and two, like, you know, I post pictures of places where I'm successful. I place, you know, pictures of places where I didn't see a game animal in there. It's like, go ahead and try to track down all my places. Like, you are not going to find success that way because half of them are good spots, half of them are bad spots, and then you don't know the timing. Like, you've got to build your skill set and learn it for your yourself it's not about finding where somebody hunts or even the unit they hunt there's so many great places and great deer and elk out there and there's still so many undiscovered spots like i'm finding spots every year that nobody's hunting in there and there's good game animals in there like the key to this game is to find the next good spot not find the old good spot or chase some great hunter's vapor trail like that that just doesn't work you know and and two, if you're if you're looking and trying to find my spots, you're you're multiple steps behind me because I've already moved on and I'm already hunting new spots or new locations or basins right. that are adjacent to this. Like, um, you know, I just I don't have a set spot that I'm going to go and I love to explore. So I'm always going someplace new. So it actually does me a favor if you're trying to find my old spots because it keeps you out of my new spots. You know? <laughs> so, but you yeah, the, the key to it is to really learn how to do it on your own. And, you know, a lot of these units that I'm going in, you know, there's hundreds of guys that are hunting these units and hundreds of guys that are unsuccessful or don't kill a big six point bull. It's about the skill set, not the spot you hunt. Right. One of the things you touched on there that I think is interesting that I'm, that I'm still like just kind of dawned on me over the last year or two was timing. You can have spots that are great the first 10 days of September or whatever. And then after that, there's nothing in there. Everything leaves. Yes. Food dries out. The cows move like elk move off, you know, deer move to different feed sources. It's like, you know, this spot might be the, the best spot in that unit for you know, a certain specific window. And if you find it at the wrong time, then it doesn't matter. Like, 
So there's, there's so much to, there's, there's more than just where it is to a spot being a good spot. Yeah, which well, is something even, I hadn't realized for for a while, and I'm just oh, figuring it's, out. It's such timing, and elk are so nomadic, and yeah, you can, you know, it always seems like you should have been there yesterday or whatever the case is. But yeah, you're right. Timing is so important that you could walk into the best spot, like even even say during hunting season. Say you hike into a spot, but you start in the morning and you get in there at ten in the morning, and you're you're sitting in the best drainage there, and there's elk all over. Those elk are put to bed by nine o'clock in the morning, and they're they're bedded yeah. all day long. So you <laughs> could walk moving. into the to the best drainage in that unit in that state, and you're there at the wrong time, and all of a sudden you don't see an elk. You hike out of there, and you just hiked into the best drainage in that unit, and you didn't know it because you weren't there at the right time. Like that's another part of timing like i i um i killed a good bull last year in a unit in a different state and the the deal was is i had been i was the only guy on these elk and there was a couple hundred of them and some really good bulls and i mean that night i followed them up to this plateau and they were glunking and they were rutting i had this big mudded up six point like a really pretty 325 that came by me at bow range and um drew on him and then he just kept walking and i didn't get a shot and couldn't stop him but they went up to this plateau and they rutted and um, then that morning, all of a sudden, it was like the world kind of found out about him. It was a wilderness spot, but there was a guy hiking up there, and um, I kind of followed him around the corner, and then there was guys coming up from around the corner. But the the point of my story is I climbed this big peak, and it's a 10,000-foot peak that these elk worked around the side of. And, um, you know, the elk kind of disappeared for the day, but I think I saw – like seven, eight, nine guys that topped the top of this 10,000 foot peak that day. You know, it's like there was a bunch of guys around hunting elk, but they, they climbed to this peak. I talked to the guys. It was, you know, hot and in the sunshine, 70 degrees, but you're up at 10,000, no real trees to hide behind, you know? And so I ran into all these guys, but I ran into all these guys middle of the day when you couldn't see any elk and they they were all put away. There was nothing to see. It didn't matter if you had the best vantage point in the world, you couldn't see anything. They were put away. They weren't bugling anymore so i ran into all these guys at the top of that peak well guys would sit up there for an hour or two and then they start hiking down and they wanted to get back down to camp or or they made it to the top of this ten thousand foot peak and they only had 16 ounces of water so they drank their water they're out they're going back down but i had my camp on my back and so I just stayed at this peak. I met all these different guys. They were all super nice or whatever. Met all these different guys, and I watched them all hike down. And so I kind of made my way, and I stayed up there all day long. I was the only guy to stay up there all day long. And sure enough, in the afternoon, evening, these elk that I knew, you know, they were in the general location. They started to pop out, and I was the only guy up there. So now I know where these elk are, and I'm making plays on them, and I found this really good, heavy, lopsided bull, great big 48-inch spread big beams heavy and i actually chased that bull for like the next three days um, but i found him off that peak because i was willing to stay up there and willing to look around so just back to your point about timing like timing in a location you have to make sure you're at the right spots at the right time and i was able to sit up there and endure that sunshine and the boredom all day long and in the afternoon it paid off i was the only guy up there the elk came out i got plays on them and then i was able to move with this herd the next couple two three days i actually ended up like two days into it i, I was out of food 
I was out of water. I was out of everything. So I ended up hiking, hunting that, hunting that morning, hiking out, you know, partially dehydrated. And I got back to the truck and, you know, it was miles back to the truck. And I got back there and I instantly started packing my gear, putting my water together, putting food together. And I turned around and I marched right back in where I knew those elk were. And I ended up killing that. We got a good hunt that evening. And then I ended up killing that bull the next morning, you know, but it's all about timing in these spots, you know, was my point of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense to me. That's part of the advantage we get as being backcountry guys is that we're in there for more of, I mean, we have a bigger window to figure out that timing. I see that all the time too. You have guys that come in middle of the day, they're there, you know, even if they, they're there all day, there's not many guys willing to hike in and hike out in the dark and they leave, you know, they're, they're packing up to leave during that time when, it's getting good for us because we're planning on sitting there and sleeping there. So, you know, that's just another thing that rolls our way. If you're willing to put in that little bit of extra work of carrying all your stuff and staying out there and fighting off the boogeyman of, <laughs> of sleeping back there, you know. Man, it's it. Like, guys want to come down and be at camp by the time it's dark, you know, and those those elk, gosh, especially in the heat of September, like they're doing most of their rutting at night. And so your window to catch them, you know, hour in the morning, hour at night, maybe, you know, yeah. and they might only be in the opening for 15 minutes and then they're in the timber, you know. And so, um, man, it's, yeah, that that timing or being able to travel with your camp on your back is so advantageous. And the other thing I find, too, is, um, you know, calling is so popular for, for elk and it, it's the the most successful tactic there is more bulls are killed by calls than any other method out there but what i find too is that guys rely upon those calls too much you know they're they're calling and trying to get a bugle where they're not looking at the big picture of what's really going on or you know like i'll see guys working through the timber calling but being on the vantage point or or just knowing where these elk are moving or having an understanding even using calls or not like you can move in front of the herd and make plays on them and you have like this higher understanding of how the elk are using the country and moving through it instead of just chasing this bugle that answers you and, and, and trying to track that down. Like I, I think there's a way to use both to really be highly effective with calls, but also know what's going on with the elk. So you can put yourself in front of them or put yourself where they want to be and then make a few calls. Cause I've always thought calling, it's not about the noises you make. It's more where you make those noises from, you know? And so like that, like that's been a big key for me is just understanding the species I'm hunting. Right. I mean, it's, it's, that's a, a big picture of you. And I think that's probably why you're successful. Like calling is only one piece of it, but if you're calling at a bull that's walking away from you, cause he's going from feeding to bedding and you're trying to chase him down, you know, you're, the, that's not going to play out 90% of the time. But if you were there the night before and you know where he's going and you're set up in front of him and you're calling now, now you're, you know, it's a totally different ball game. Yeah, totally I think bears are the same way, like watching bears this spring. I was watching, you know, I had a hillside that bears would always come out on and it was always different bears and they were always going, they would always come out from the same side and go towards the, the same, like they were always moving the same way. So trying to, like I sat there and watched them a few times and then I was like, okay, where are these bears going? What are they doing? How do I get in a, into a spot to intercept them before they get there and before it's dark and you know, and still be able to, to be able to see and have an idea of what's happening. So that's really cool. That, is that how you that killed that chocolate, stuff. Dan? It is. So I had a, 
I had one good hillside that I he kept seeing different bears on. Bears would just cruise it and feed across and, and, uh, it was just kind of a really interesting spot. It, it, I had to play a lot of the Onyx game this year because it was kind of potlatched with some private and not like the typical big national forest areas that I hunt. It was just a different situation this year. So, and it was, uh, like a really overlooked piece that just has great habitat, but it was just kind of sandwiched into a weird spot and you couldn't see it from anywhere. So a lot of trips just trying to figure out a spot to glass it from. And then once I could see it, trying to figure out how I could actually get into it, which presented a whole bunch of other challenges. So it was just like a really cool puzzle this year, but yeah. So uh, a lot of it was just watching that hill and watching and just waiting for a good bear to show up. And then I had a bear that I, that I posted in that post the other day that was a, a blonde, not a big giant bear, but just a, you know, really pretty a little smaller than the one that I killed. But I was like, all right, I'm going to go over there and get a better look at it. Cause you know, from a mile away, it looks pretty good, but maybe from, maybe from 200 yards, it'll talk me into it. So I, I went over, got on the same hill as this, as this bear and was, you know, trying to get work a stock in and failed. And, uh, the bear winded me. I was like 200 yards away and couldn't see anything because this hillside is so folded up that I had like another 10 yards to get where I was going to crest this little, this little spot and be able to look over into the canyon that the bear was in. And the wind turned right at my back and blew it, <laughs> blew it out of there. I still wound up seeing like three bears in person that night, but <clears throat> so we pulled out and went back two or three days later onto the same hill, figuring that that same bear would come out somewhere in the general area and uh wound up sitting and I saw one, you know, one seventy-five pound bear all evening. Like these are again totally different for me, but flying up after work, like trying to bail out of work, going in early, trying to get out a little early, flying up, you know, two and two and a half hour drive to hunt for two and a half hours. Just you know, playing a different game, trying to maximize my amount of trips I could squeeze in. So sitting on the hill didn't see anything worth looking at. That bear never showed up. It's like 8.30, and uh, this little cinnamon bear, a decent size, gets up in front of me and starts feeding away from me. So I can't really get a good look at it because it's in the brush. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to shadow this bear and just see where it's going. Like, So it, so I get up and start side-hilling above this bear a few hundred yards, just kind of walking behind it. And, uh, it dips over a saddle into a canyon where I, I've looked at a few times up there, but I've never seen any other bears. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm going to keep following it, see where it's going, you know, try to figure this out. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll pan out. And, uh, so I followed this bear over the saddle and I can't find it. So I sit down at the saddle and I just like, well, I'm just going to glass this canyon up real quick. And as soon as I threw the binos up, I spotted that, that big chocolate. And he was, it's like 8.45 and the bear's a mile away and on the opposite side of the canyon. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. I try to, I throw the binos up. I'm like, that's definitely a good bear. That's the best bear that I've seen in person. Um, I texted my buddy like, hey, I'm probably gonna, I'm going, like I'm going in. It's, it's showtime. And, uh. As soon as I said that, that other bear, the, the one I had been following, popped up in front of me, and he was a decent bear. 
and you know the biggest bear that I'd been close to this season and I just had to make the commitment like all right I'm going to literally blow this bear out of here on purpose to try to have a chance at the other one so I wound up walking straight towards that bear and spooking him out of there because I had good wind on the other one and uh just literally had to like run side hilling loose sand sagebrush country down across this canyon and get up to where I could get a range on him. He wasn't even close enough to range. So I had to get a spot where I was, I got him at 1200. Figured, okay, I've got 600 yards to the next little bump that I'll be able to see him from. Got over there, couldn't see him. Had to drop back down into the creek bottom and go back up the other side to relocate this bear. Turn around, sprint back over and climb back up the other side to where I was like, going to be 800 yards from him and then keep going. I and mean, this literally turned into like 20 minutes of me just sprinting back and forth. So, yeah, eventually I got down to where I figured I was going to be about 400 yards from that bear and just sat down trying to catch my breath, figure out where what he was doing. And he crested the next ridge across the canyon from me, walking towards me, feeding. So... It happened to, it happened to pan out. I was able to get in on him at like right at nine o'clock, like just, you know, 15 minutes of light left. I got set up and after, after a, a mile and a half long sprint <laughs> and a bunch of vertical, I, I wasn't the most steady. Uh, gave him a little warning shot and, uh, actually in the confusion, we both ran towards each other, which <laughs> happened to play out. <laughs> So this bear, not knowing what happened, just bailed straight down the canyon towards me, and I ran towards him, and then we wound up meeting up in, in the bottom, being 200 yards apart, which was really cool. So, yeah, I ran down there and, and was able to get a, another shot at the bear and dropped him, and then he rolled from there to the bottom of the earth, which was a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> so, us. Yeah, I saw this bear fall, and, uh, you know, I shot, and he just cartwheeled, and it looked like he went about 20 feet. And I get down there, and it's just a choked-out, brushy hole. Like, you can't see anything in there. It's now right at dark. No visibility. So that recovery was really interesting. We walked around that bear for probably an hour within 10 yards of it before we found it. It's like we went from having all this blood and sign to nothing and then turn around and go back the other way. All this blood and sign, nothing. Like, where is this thing? I wound up having to get on my hands and knees with a flashlight and crawl down this creek bed through the bushes until I found this bear. But yeah, he had fell into the creek and then from the creek, like pushed himself off this little ledge, like down into the bottom of this little waterfall and was just like laying in a hole at the bottom. So I'd, I'd been probably 10 feet from the bear twice before I figured out what I was looking at. It was just so dark down in there. It just looked like part of the creek bed, which was... So, yeah, we wound up finding him about midnight and then getting him all cut up and packed out and back to the truck about 4 a.m. and got home. And it was daylight when I got home the next morning. So 
what an adventure, Dan. Like, so um, cool. Dude, that's that's how it goes down. It seems like bears, they're never close, like 200 yards off when you see them. It's always just like, um, you know, sprinting across the hillside, running out of light, trying to catch up to that thing. Like, uh, that is like a, like a vintage great bear story because that's what it takes. Like, you have to be willing to put in that kind of extreme effort. Um, but boy, how rewarding. That's so killer. And yeah. good on you with, uh, just your diligence at like, uh, the blood trail and finding that bear. Cause bears will just tuck in a hole. And it sounds like yours was absolutely hidden down there in the brush and in that creek or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was that such a nightmare gnarly. where that, oh, where that man. bear died. He was the, the banks of that creek were so steep and so narrow that he had actually dammed the creek up. So he had like, you know, a foot of standing water behind him. He had plugged up the whole thing. So we were trying to cut him up and we just, it was just that loose sand on both sides. So as we were cutting him up, we had to like roll him up and get him off the ground to one side to let the water drain out every 10 or 15 minutes and then set him back down into the creek. It was just a nightmare. But there's so much <laughs> of that stuff we talked about that played into that. Like it's, it's 8.30 and I haven't seen a good bear all night. And I know I have a thousand feet to climb to get out of here. And if I don't leave now, I'm doing it in the dark with or without a bear. It's like, well, do you sit here? You know, like, the, I mean, I'm not going to say that the thought that maybe I should start picking my way back up the hill and get out of here didn't cross my mind. And then you got to tell yourself, no, sit here, sit here until it's dark, sit here until you can't see. And then right as I'm having that thought, that smaller bear pops out. It's like, okay, well, do I consider this my opportunity for the night or do I follow this bear? And do I follow it into a place where I know it's going to be even more of a nightmare getting out of here later? You know, just making all those choices. Is, you, just you know, gave, and it gave all, yourself it all a chance. Off. Yeah, yep. yeah, you gave yourself a chance. I I always think that too. Like a, you know, I'll mess up some scenarios, or maybe I see a buck, and uh, maybe I wasn't quite patient enough and didn't wait for the right scenario. But what what really uh, uh, you know, tips the scale in my favor is I'm always willing to go for it. And a lot of that is mental toughness, but it's also, you know, physical fitness and knowing I can trust my body and knowing I can do it. But just like you did that night, there was a hundred decisions you had to make that you had to make the tough decision to give yourself a chance or give yourself an opportunity. And, and when faced with it, you kept deciding the hard way or you kept deciding, well, I'll just go over here and give myself a chance. I'll run over to this. I'll cut the distance. I'll, you know, you kept making these decisions to give yourself a chance. And, and I believe, you know, that a lot of my success comes from that is just giving myself a chance, seeing a bull miles off with barely enough time to get to him. And I go, yep, I'm in, I'm running half the way. I'm going to try to get there. And, and a lot of times it doesn't pay off or you don't kill that animal, but you're just giving yourself a chance at success. And when you do that, That eventually it pays off. Yep. And I, those scenarios are the most fun part of the entire season for me. Like when you're in full send and it's 10 minutes of light left and a full sprint and you're running away from the truck and (laughs) this is either, you know, it's like the go big or go home moment. I, I don't know. I live for that stuff. Oh, and me then, too. You know, it's even, it's, it's better than the kill. I mean, you get, you get 10 or 15 minutes of that afterglow after you harvest something or, you know, where you can sit there and admire it and, and be proud of yourself. But that, that 10 to 15 minutes before, I think is so much more fun and so much more rewarding and what I'm actually chasing more so than actually getting the animals. Like that moment when you know that all of those decisions 
have just come together and like you made it happen again. Best feeling in the world. <laughs> Dude, it's the thrill of the hunt. Sometimes I have that glow even when I'm unsuccessful, but I went for it when I look at how far I have to go back to the truck or the climb yep. that I have to make. And I'm in the middle of the night with my headlamp climbing this huge mountain, but I, I'm doing it with a smile on my face because I love to go for it. I love to go all in. I love to push my limits, you know? And and so when I make a big go like that, whether I'm successful or not, like, like I'm always happy with my decision. And even walking back and, you know, I, I mean, I've had deer where I'm walking back half the night. Like you say, you get back at about daylight or in the middle of the night with your headlamp. But, gosh, it feels so good to go yeah. for it, you know, that, to really that put that – with, that, with no regrets eating yes. at your mind. Like, I, hey, I did everything I possibly could. Even coming out empty, like, it's just a good feeling. You can be happy with the effort that you put in, and, you know, you can you can look yourself in the mirror the next morning, and, you know, it's just not, not having any regrets. Like, going home wishing you had done something differently or wishing you had tried harder, especially if you work out all year long and you dedicate all this time and energy to it and then when the time when the opportunity actually gets there and you, you wuss out or you talk yourself out of it i've done that a few times it's awful it's awful it just eats at you until you get the next opportunity and i think if you do that a few times you just stop letting yourself take the easy way oh, you know that so you, the, the feeling is way worse of knowing you there was more that you could have done Oh, you're so spot on. Yeah, living with that regret or knowing that you didn't put maximum effort in or that you took the easy road and you you, you hiked out early or whatever the case. Yeah, that eats me alive. And so, yeah, you do that a few times and you're disappointed in yourself and the decision you made or it's like, God, why didn't I go for that thing? Or I, I maybe could have made it to him. It's really yep. easy to make an excuse to look at an animal and say – Oh, I can't quite get to him or God, he's way far. I'm just going to try it tomorrow morning. Or I, and sometimes that's the right move is to be patient, wait for a better opportunity. But a lot of times you're talking yourself into the easy road and you got to be careful. Like that's a pitfall. You don't want to yep. get caught in, in talking yourself into the easy road. Well, I'm going to head down so I can walk down in the daylight here and get back to camp and have a steak or whatever. But instead you choose the tough thing and you go, no, I'm going to sit here till dark and I'm going to walk out with my headlamp and you're right. It's those moments that you regret that kind of shape you into making the tough decision the next time around because it, it's way tougher to live with that regret than it is to make a tough hike throughout the middle of the night, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yeah. Well, dude, um, you got to be chomping at the bit for this hunting season. Like, uh, uh, missing last year, thanks so much for your service and, and being deployed out there. But, boy, you got to be hungry for this season for some adventure, huh? Oh, I'm so ready. That's I mean, that's why this – this bear hunt was so cool for me too. It's like to, it was such a good, such a good way to come back in, you know, and, uh, really like recommit to this is the level of animal that I want to kill. This is how, you know, this is the work that I'm going to put in, not just be, you know, I didn't get to hunt all year. I'm going to, I'm going to take the first thing that gives me an opportunity, like reset, refocus, you know, get back after it. And, to, you know, to come back in great shape, like we talked about, you know, just, from being committed while I was over there. It's just, it's been awesome. It's going to be, it's going to be an awesome year. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for summer scouting trips and the whole process again. Like I can't wait. How, how is the heat out there? Where oh, were you deployed at? Alien. It's, it's otherworldly. It's ridiculous. Is it? Uh, yeah. So uh, we, uh, 
So I was in the UAE for most of it. So super safe, not a combat deployment or anything like that. It's just basically a nine to five, but over there, you know, we're, we're doing, um, I'm a, I do uh heavy equipment operator for the air force, so which is, is my air force job. So, but just outside all day long, you know, and, uh, it's like the, the heat index over there is like 135 in the day. What? <laughs> yeah. So it'll be like, like actual temperature, like low one twenties, but then with 80 or 90% humidity. Oh and just my gosh, Dan, not a cloud in the sky, you know, just full sun and haze. It's just gross. Like oh my gosh. Yeah. So I did, a, I did a, the, I did like 13 or 14 different 5Ks over there on the base while I was there. And the, the first one I did, I struggled. I mean, having a guy that's done multiple full length marathon races and further, you know, ultras and stuff, just finishing a 5K without walking was one of the hardest things I had ever done when I first wow. got over there. It was, you know, five o'clock in the morning. 95% humidity, 135 degrees. It's like breathing through a wet sponge. You know, it's like running in a steam room is, is, is honest to God what it feels like. It's so weird. Oh my gosh. Well, and I love heat training, but I can't, I can't hold a candle to the wind to what you're doing out there. Like, you know, for me, heat training, like I'm in, I'm in Montana, you know, so heat training mm -hmm. for me is like when it gets into the, to the nineties or into the hundred, I think it's really hot or even like mid eighties, it's hot yeah. to be running so in, like, in the mountains. I like it but... too. In like the Boise, Treasure Valley area, it gets a hundred, 105 in the summer times. And I like get out and run in it, you know, and sweat it out and like, it's enjoyable, but it's just a different animal over there. That humidity <laughs> is so disgusting. <laughs> you walk outside and you're just dripping. You know, your glasses fog up. You can't see anything. Oh it's, man, it's really gross. So yeah, oh. so but I, yeah, I did a, I did a ton of running over there. I was working on my 5K time, trying to get a sub 20 minute 5K, and then I ran a half while I was over there and did a couple 50 mile weeks, like competing with guys back here. You know, just trying to stay after it. So. It was cool. Man, Eventually, I got sort of used to it, and it cooled off while I was over there. So it's, it's a little nice. nicer in January than it is July, that's for sure. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's that constant drive and uh, effort, and it's um, you know, you you just can't get happy. You can't be happy. I'm happy at where I'm at and the person that I am that I've become or whatever. But you just you you can't you, you can't get stagnant. You just gotta keep pushing and and for me too it's like uh you got to keep that inner drive like we started the conversation it all starts and ends with your mind like for me i have to be motivated i've got to keep that drive and, and that's what why i find success is like just to keep that motivation keep that drive keep working hard keep trying to be a better person physically mentally you know in in every facet of life like um you know that is the key is decide where you want to get and then just let it be this 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 burning desire inside you where you'll stop at nothing and we all have so many responsibilities it's really easy to make an excuse to not work out or to not get the run in but when you start choosing the more difficult decision that every day you're going to get it in you're going to wake up early you're going to sacrifice sleep uh you're not afraid to to go at night after the sun goes down because I had dinner with my family and everybody's in bed, but I still get it in. That burning desire 
to to get to where you want to be and to accomplish the goals that you've set forth like that is really the key and if you continually have a, have that burning desire you might not see success the first day or the first month or even the first year it may take a while of putting in this constant effort before you get to where you want to go because it's a it's a long road you know but if you continually work towards it you can accomplish anything yep yep it's coming it's, yeah. it's the work is the only way though that's for sure man for us guys right i mean it's i'm sure you know there's shortcuts to success but for us working class guys the the only answer is hard work and effort like it really is it's like um you know there's there there's um there's a lot of competition out there and there's a lot of guys that want to find success it's who's willing to put in the most work who's willing to sacrifice the most to build their skill set to be able to be at their very best who's able to endure tough conditions and 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 tough challenges and and be able to make it through them to the other side and and i i truly believe that those are the guys that we're seeing be consistently successful yeah, 100% agree it's it's who wants it more not who's better at anything really <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it's so right. Well, Dan, man, um, dude, I always enjoy talking to you. I got to have you on the podcast more. Uh, such a fun conversation on 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 mental toughness and what it takes. And I just love it that we're both just common guys that have found this passion or this love for backcountry hunting and just decide that we want to be good at it. And through years of work, like uh, uh, we start bringing it to fruition. Man, it's it's just an awesome journey. Yeah, well, I appreciate everything you put out there too. I like seeing all, all your stories, man. I, I listened to your, uh, some of your solo bear podcasts, like on the rides back and forth of the truck. I'm like, you know, I start thinking like it's never going to happen. And I'm like, oh, look at how many trips Brian makes, you know, like <laughs> it doesn't work out for him either. Like trip 12, trip 13, like, like just listening to you shooting out every night, chasing stuff around. So, I mean, it's cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's way cool. I'm really glad I know you, Dan. So um, I wish you all the success this season. Uh, I'm going to keep in touch and check in with you, and I'd, I'd love to have you on again like uh, after fall season or whatever. I, uh, I know you're going to turn up some good critters this year. So, yeah, I get a ton of motivation from you. I really like your social media page. Just uh, keep being you and keep doing your thing. <laughs> Will do, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. All right. That's a wrap, guys. Again, such a fun conversation. I really enjoy talking with Dan. Uh, the, the guy just has grit and has will, and um, he he's just uh, he's decided he wants to be good at something and put all his effort into it, and he's becoming that, which is really fun to watch. So, um, thanks again to Dan for taking the time and being on. Uh, thanks again to those sponsors, uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company. Again, you can uh, go to their website, backslash Eastman's, put in the promo code Brian and get some off. Uh, best instant coffee in the game. Tea bags are great. Uh, also, just their their coffee roasts are so good. Uh, you can get on their coffee subscription to, to send you a new roast every month, uh, which is great, which I'm signed up for. Uh, also want to thank uh, Earl from Cutter Stabilizers, just building great products, uh, those carbon fiber bars. Uh, they're just thinner. They catch less wind, uh, super strong. He's worked on all the connections, connections to the bow, connections to the weight. Uh, it, it really helps with the hold and the reaction of my bow and helps me be the shooter that I am. So uh, make sure to check those out at Cutter Stabilizers. 
And um, check out everything we've got going over at Eastman's. Again, I've got that promo code for the magazine, Elevated321. And uh, that'll get you both magazines 50 bucks and a free Outdoor Edge knife. Man, um, so yeah, just getting ready for this uh, this next summit here. Trying to fit in five days' work within, <laughs> within about three days or so. And uh, get all that taken care of and uh, make sure everybody's lined out. Uh, just doing all I can do here to to get ready for this fall season. So, um, yeah, burning the candle at both ends, but that's how it's supposed to be in the summertime. Uh, make hay while the sun's shining and uh, hopefully put a little money in my account and um, be ready to cut these legs loose come fall. So um, thanks so much, you guys, for, for all the support of the podcast, support through social media. I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are the ones that make this podcast go, and um, I just uh, want to repay you with the, the absolute best podcast I can put out there. Uh, so again, I'll sit down, record some good solos before season, keep getting these good guests. Uh, man, I had a great one with uh, Travis Nowatney at this last summit. Really enjoyed uh, listening to Robbie Denning, being able to meet him. I got a copy of his book. I'm super excited to read. Uh, so I'm going to get Robbie Denning on the podcast for a Mule Deer podcast, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to do a long one with him. He is um, a wealth of information and you talk about grit and toughness and um, man, uh, just years of knowledge there of hunting mule deer. And so I really enjoyed his seminar. Can't wait to get him on the podcast and uh, have some other ones lined up here in the works. So uh, super excited to bring those to you guys. So. With that, I better go get on the job site and get some stuff done and uh, get this podcast released to you guys. I uh, appreciate you, and um, we'll touch bases soon.